thinky, thirsty, and over 30. Welcome to Afternoon Army, a safe place for grown armies to dish and discover BTS. We are four ladies who just wanted to know their names and now can explain the meaning of Lachimolala. New to Army? No problem. Come along as we explore all the important business that Bongtan throws our way. Join us on the last Tuesday of every month as we hop in the clown car and drive to the circus. And stay tuned for shorter, snack-sized episodes between hosts and various correspondents. Because one thing we know is that content, well, it just keeps on coming. Well, hello, everybody. Hello. Hello. Hey, hey, hey. We are back to talk about Beyond the Story, second half of the book, chapters five through seven. And this is part of our Kim Namjoon book club series, and this seemed like an obvious choice. (laughs) And so, uh, first of all, how's everybody doing? What's new? What do you have to report? Um, Well, I don't have anything in the Bangtan sphere to report because I'm not going to steal anyone's fire. But what I will say is that it's extremely hot here. My kids start school on Monday, and apparently there's a hurricane that's supposed to pass over Los Angeles in the next, like, 48 hours. So So I hear. kind of been a wild riot in California. Um, There's, like, this low-pressure system going through Fresno right now. It's, like, probably 104 out there, Um, (laughs) but it feels much hotter. It's, like, very oppressive. And my daughter's – there's football tonight. Uh So she's going to a football game for, like, her school football opening night is tonight. And it's just – I'm, like – Drink a lot of water. Good yeah. luck with that. Like, I'm going to be there. Yeah, it's rough. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Allison? Um, I'm getting over cold, which is not very exciting. It's also going to be like 110 this weekend in Nebraska, which seems mm-hmm. wild. Like, um, and maybe possibly going to pick out some kittens this weekend. So, <gasps> that's big. Yeah. That's yeah. really so big. So we'll see. I have to, like, I know. So my cats were perfect. And so I have this like mental block against like, how am I going to find two other perfect cats? I I have their names already picked out. So the, I have no idea. I just want a boy and a girl because I always want a boy and a girl, but the girl I want to name Agnes and the boy is going to be named August D obviously, Obviously. but we're going to shorten it to Gus. So it's going to be Agnes and Gus. How cute is that? That's adorable. Amy so, from Afternoon and Delight has an Agnes. Really? Yes. Oh, we can be. That's so cute. Uh-huh. I didn't know that. Yes. Yeah. So that's what, I don't know. We'll see. I probably will talk myself out of it this weekend, but that's, <laughs> it's on my planner. So we'll see if it actually I mean, happens. you're going to show up and there's going to be a black cat with a scar on its face. And you're just gonna be like, yeah, this is this is That's my August cat. D. Obviously, this is flesh. August D in yeah. in cat form. And then he's gonna come home and just do whatever he wants and ignore you half the time, and then the other half the time be like, So I dumped this cup all over the table. What's the big deal? It's right, not, right. just it's fine. But like that's how you know if it's your cat, you're it's gonna have I just know it's good. You're gonna Put it on Instagram. There's gonna be like a little scar on its face, or like a white mark. Like it's an all black cat, but has like one white mark right over its That'd eye. That'd be so be like, cute. That's and then, like two cat. years later, it'll be like, oh yeah, I have a tattoo. What's the big deal? 
Oh, you want to see my microchip? Sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't know why you guys keep talking about this tattoo. It's just a tattoo. It's right here. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh my gosh. Well, my my world is consumed at the moment with the lack of the um Jack in the Box Hope Edition uh CDs in my mailbox. I'm very frustrated about this. None of my local stores have it. And I bas- I'm trying to avoid spoilers. So I basically can't go online until like Sunday. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm feeling, I'm feeling very spoiled and crabby about it, but I am so excited to see it. So I'm actually not really feeling crabby because I'm super excited. I uh, just have more- to wait a little bit longer. Yeah. Tell us more about this drop because yeah. some of our listeners, I mean, we share a lot of stuff, but yeah. even as much as you share, I didn't realize the gift that we were getting. I just mm-hmm. like, I was uh, at Dance Nationals when this announcement came and I just bought it. I didn't yeah. look into it. I didn't check what was involved. I went to Target and hit pre-order. So give us a little bit more insight because it's a yeah. gift. Like it it's, is literally a gift. It's gorgeous. Yes. So uh, of course he never, J-Hope never leaves any stone unturned he always goes a hundred million times into the design uh details and quality and so it's a beautiful it's a it's got two versions but i don't think you choose one i think the versions are random and it's there's the mint hope version and the i think it's pink hope version they're so cute and he he developed these new little characters for them that are kind of similar to the outfits that he wore uh, for um, the original Jack in the Box styling, and they're so cute, and uh, I can't describe them very well, but I'm sure most of you have seen them um, in the promotional materials. But he made little paper dolls of them that are going to come in the box that you can put together yourself. So you have a little project to do. There are stickers, which he's already put under his phone case, as he showed in his little uh, beautiful military photos that uh, of himself from. Selkas that he posted of himself in his uniform. Uh, and um, there's two different versions of the CD in terms of the color. Uh, I think there's a single photo book, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's the same for each. And then there's a lenticular card. I think you know one of those postcards that changes as you turn it. I think that's the same in each one. So anyways, there's just an abundance of cool things. But probably the most exciting thing is that there are three live tracks from Lollapalooza. They are bonkers. Um, when you listen to them for the first time, if you can do yourself a favor and listen with headphones or earbuds, because the sound is such a feast. It is so rich. I can't believe they got that kind of sound out of uh, outdoor performance. I'm actually really surprised. Um, so a- amazing sound engineering. But they they included um, for the three live tracks, Equal Sign, um, Stop, and Future. And what, one thing I thought was really sweet, because it's kind of unusual, is that in the version of Future, he includes all of his thanks to the band and the dancers and everybody. And so there's like this, you get to hear him talking to the audience for a while and that's really sweet too, but it just sounds fantastic. And then I usually don't get that into the instrumentals versions of different songs, but the instrumental version of More is insane and Arson too. I mean, the beats on those songs and that kind of like that grinding synth sound or whatever it is maybe it's guitar it's incredible so it just yeah it totally blew me away so I've been really enjoying that yeah yeah it's a real gift and um, I'm so glad that he was finally able to do it Um, and I hope that it's really satisfying for him and I hope that we can chart him properly 
this time. I mean, the original did well, but it didn't have the advantages that it should have had. So I'm hoping that we'll get a second, good second showing. I hope so too, because I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, he really set the stage. Like he was the first one to, yeah. like, to do anything, to do any of this. Yeah. Um, and we were so flustered after Festa. I just felt like, like, me, me personally, just because I was still considered really new army. I mean, I'd only been in the fandom for like a year. I didn't really understand a lot of the streaming. I didn't understand a lot of how like billboard worked and like charting and all of that. And now, as we've gone through every single one of them having a solo project, I mean, V's the last one, but we're already in it, right? Like we're already helping to chart him. Um, I feel like we, we meaning pandemic army or like baby mm-hmm. army have a better understanding especially J-Hope biases. And let me tell you something, J-Hope biases, like Tanya, (laughs) the nicest person I know, but you make a J-Hope bias mad about J-Hope and they will come (laughs) for your neck because, and they're wild because I have put J-Hope in the DMs. And let me tell you, anytime I post about J-Hope, that is when we get the most feedback. That's when we get Uh the most likes or story likes or DMs or anything. So like, like, j-hope biases and bias records because i'm one yeah we're here for it like we're here for the content we want him to chart like we want the best for him so i have really high hopes i also just you know we talked about this way back when um jack in the box was released over a year ago we were really sad we didn't have those physical copies you know we didn't and and you know like i compare it to like and this is not shade on anybody but i compare Mm -hmm. it to when i bought the astronaut one song I got a photo book. I got two photo cards. Mm-hmm. I got a photo postcard. I got a like eight and a half, not eight and a half, but like 11 by 14 poster, you know? And then I got a CD with like one song on it. And I was like, we couldn't have done this for the man himself. Like what? Yeah, so yeah. having this, like I said, is a gift. And I did go and listen to those instrumentals and you're right. You're mm-hmm. right. They sound great. And, um, Hybe's doing the most because, if you can get the Lollapalooza tracks to sound like that, yeah. um, you can get the D-Day tracks, the live yeah. D-Day tracks to sound like that. So I'm going to be sitting here waiting for mm-hmm. my... We need our live on. albums. Yeah. 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 Uh, we want okay. our live albums now. Uh-huh. And my getting... remix, my club remix, the El Cap Sugar uh-huh. Club club remix that we yes so i'll be yes. waiting yes i'm hoping yeah i'm hoping that after yunki goes in to his military service that we are going to get i can i just i'm just going to be greedy for a minute like they don't owe me anything they don't owe me a thing a thing but i'll be greedy anyway a performance video of huh with him and j-hope <laughs> i would love and like you said some some performance videos some live maybe some live tracks released or something because d-day was such a master class so meaningful so moving so healing for millions of people that i hope i just hope it's not over i hope we get a live album or something out of it yeah and i hope we get dvds because of that last show the last three shows honestly i hope we get dvds so happy to be greedy (laughs) oh all right well on to the book so 
we uh, are now talking about the second half of the book, which is chapters five through seven. There's so much going on. And we start to get into um, the period that uh, maybe a lot more of us who are here today or listening are familiar with for those of us that joined into this whole scene uh, later in the process. We're starting sort of at the end of the wings period, getting into love yourself era, and then moving on from there. So. I think one thing that really jumped out at me um, starting the second half of the book was the absolutely crucial part that Love Yourself Tear played in getting BTS through a huge crisis in what sounded like it was probably the middle part of 2018 um, that they have alluded to a few times, but I think I learned a lot more about it from the book than I've ever heard before, which is the... Um, the struggle that they went through in deciding whether to stay together during that period. Um, they had achieved massive success for the first time um, that sort of started taking off with the most beautiful moment in life and really was escalating and escalating through wings. Um, they're starting to get with um, Love Yourself, Her, a lot more international fame. And they're under so much pressure in 2017 and touring so hard that as Jin says in the chapter, they have no days off. They're struggling um, mentally and physically um, and they're at a crisis point. And at the same time, the company and BTS are both experiencing so much success because of this, that they're ready to renegotiate BTS's contract two years early because they're like, now they have money to throw at BTS. They have all kinds of things they can do for them. And it's, the, I guess the company sees it as a great time to reward them, but also get them um, while they're at their peak of, or at a potential peak of their success to, to hang on with the company for longer. And so they have to make this big decision. What are they going to do? So uh, I was really, we, we, I mean, it's, it's a great segue having just talked about D-Day and the power the healing power that that whole era for us has had everything about it. And I started to see love yourself tear in a new light because I think for me, it was, you know, having, having to had digest so much of their content so quickly when I became army during the permission to dance era late, late in the permission to dance era, I like just consumed everything really fast. And I, I kind of categorized Love Yourself Tear, okay, that's the dark album. Like that's, you know, in the trilogy, that was the dark album. I never understood or got a glimpse into until the book how important that album was for their own healing and what a pivotal role it probably played in keeping them together. Uh, and that's the only real thought I had about it. But I was just curious whether either if you had any thoughts about that or just whatever thoughts you have about that era or on that album or even just them having gone through so much in trying to decide whether to stay together. I think what stood out for me was I was reading this section of the book is the words that they used and like how they wrestled with the things that they were grappling with as individuals, um, how they coped with like the grind. Like Jin is like, well, I'm going to go play video games. Jimin is like, I'm going to go drink alone. Like, they all had these ways of coping with this, like, immense pressure that was suddenly, like, feeling more and more, like, weighty. And I may be in a different, like, chapter or phase just because 
of my brain all turning it into mush. But I think at one point V was like, I used to be able to go out and walk around in these cities when we were touring and I can't do that anymore. And suddenly like you had said, Tanya, like they were getting more and more famous in this like era for them where they didn't have the same um, like ability to just be themselves. And so that was really striking, but they were also in conversation with each other all the time. Like you would, you know, see, I think Jimin was like, oh, I'm noticing something's going on with JK. I'm going to go check in with him. And like throughout this sort of heavy chapter of the book, you could see how they all checked into each other. But my heart broke for RM. He has the weight of the world on his shoulders. And I think that that like, I think I wrote that and underlined that every time he talked like, oh my gosh, like how much does he have like going on in his mind um, at this stage? And that really stood out to me. I actually ran out of Koya stickers because I highlighted so many of his quotes that I don't have any Koya stickers left. (laughs) Yeah, I, that stood out to me too. To back it up a little bit, you know, this was on the heels of their first uh, Billboard Music Award performance, the first time they um, went and performed um, as guests. And there's a part, there's a part in the book, and I marked it because I wanted to remember it, that RM Namjoon talks about having to do interviews in English really for the first time um, on a like red carpet. And he said, um, it was our first, this is from the book. I'm going to read it. It was our first time at the BBMAs and they tell us we're going to be interviewed live for a whole hour out of nowhere that we're going to be interviewed by 11 us broadcasters. And in 10 minutes from now, it felt like I was having a mental breakdown. All the interviewers had different accents and it was difficult to pick up what they were saying. Even so, I got through it. Then this is the narrator. Recalling that time, he pulls a quizzical smile and says, which I'm sure was full of his dimples, which is adorable. Um, that's me talking, not the narrator. Um, he, and this is what he says, quote, then after getting through it, I realized, okay, we're, we're really in big trouble. There's no going back now. So you get this love yourself tear on the heels of, this performance kind of going internationally. And when I say internationally, they had been in other international markets, but the Western lens, you know, that was kind of the goal from the very beginning with this group was to make it big in the West. And they worked so hard. Here they are. It's 2017, 2018. And all of a sudden they're thrust in the spotlight. Like, Oh, we're here. We did it. Now what? So you get to this point in the book when you're talking about love yourself cheer, where they're tired, they're exhausted. They, all they're doing is practicing. They're in, uh, you know, dance practice, they're in singing practice, they're songwriting, they're together, they're traveling, they're doing different spots, you know, uh, media spots. And then they're told, by the way, we need you to sign this contract early. We, we're going to go ahead and, and do these negotiations early. And I still forget how young they were at that time. They're still, they're still kids. I mean, not kids, but they're in their early, I don't know in my early twenties that I could have made a multi-million dollar decision like this to say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and give up a lot of the freedoms that I've been exercising in my life all this time for this. 
Um, and there, you know, that there's a point, I think it's uh, RM talks too about, you know, we went ahead and we, you know, talked and we signed this contract and people told us we were crazy. We're upping for another seven years um, before this contract was even done. And people were like, how could you do that? You're crazy. Um, and, you know, they had their reasons, but I think also they were kind of young when they did that. So when I look back and when I read this part and went back for today and like reread portions of it, it really helped me understand Festa of 22 better. Because now when I look at that Festa dinner and I look at those conversations, even though they're heartbreaking and even though each and every one of them is like really emotional, they were really taking back their power and their autonomy. They were making decisions for themselves and saying, we're going to take a break. We're going to take a break from this group activity so that we can go do these activities. Um, and I feel like that they were, you know, collectively making new rules for themselves and not worrying about everything else. So as long as each and every one of those members was happy with the decision, they were all happy with the decision, you know? So like reading this and reading this struggle, you know, like Tanya put in the group chat, Ooh, 2018 was a time. It really was. They struggled a lot. And I can imagine being a young person, like even JK, I mean, how old was he in 2018? He was 13 to eight. That's five years. So he was like 20, 19, 20 years old, 19, 20 years old. He's a world famous star that's having to make a decision about the next seven years of his life. Let me tell you, when I was 19, I couldn't even make the next decision of what classes I was going to take the next semester. But he had to make this decision of what he was going to do for the next seven years with this company, with this group. So Tanya, I like what you said that like as a new army, as when you became new army, you really devoured content. And like this kind of just was not that you missed it, but you were like, oh, that's the dark album. Those are the songs, you know, you're talking about um, singularity, fake love, the untold truth, paradise, magic shop. Um, you know, you're talking about songs like that. You're like, oh, you know, I just kind of devoured this and took it for what it was worth. But that's what's so great about this book is that now you get to deep dive into it and now you get the meaning behind it. And I think that if it wasn't for this album, I don't know that they'd be the BTS of today. I think it took them getting through this time with this particular album to get where we are today, to get the sound and the vision and all of that that we have today. A hundred percent. I mean, it's interesting because uh, it's such an incredible album. It could almost be like, um, but it's kind of a middle child album. It's It could be kind of like the Empire Strikes Back, <laughs> you know, but it's really, it's become so important in my mind now, having learned this, it seems like, um, I think the book kind of drives this home. So this isn't, isn't an insight coming from me, but rather from the author, I think, pointing out that uh, there was kind of a storytelling arc going on from the earlier albums, you know, were about youth and the struggles of youth and teenagers in particular. And then they had uh, Love Yourself, Her, which was about love. And uh, this was an album and, and they had a lot of songs about their about ARMY and um, just young people in general. And then now we're starting to get into an album where they're really singing and writing about themselves. And that's an interesting development that hadn't been maybe quite as strong before. Um, and it certainly sounded like it played a strong role in their healing process to make it through that period. So, so amazing. So that really was one of the things that super jumped out at me. All right. So our next topic that we wanted to talk about was 
Uh, now that they find themselves on the world stage, they're starting to do their work for um, UN's UNICEF program. Um, and they find themselves thrust upon the world stage in a manner where now they're becoming um, role models for the world, for youth around the world, speaking for important causes, um, finding themselves in a lot more of the spotlight, not just um, uh, finding themselves in the gaze of army, but in fact, the whole world watching. Um, and so we called this section, the power to change hearts, something that really jumped out at me from uh, Namjoon talking about how they kind of found their discovered, went through some of their fears, discovered some of their strengths and started to find their voices and their goals as artists in, um, in their new role as global artists. Um, with all of this influence. And so, um, Allison, not that any of us have to address all of these things because it's too big, <laughs> but um, did you have any thoughts about this part of their growth um, as you were uh, working your way through the reading? I think, again, what struck me is how they're in conversation with each other, particularly Jimin. Jimin, can I just like wrap him in bubble wrap, please? He is the most, in this book, like thoughtful, considerate, intentional human. And they all are. But whenever I read about like how he would seek out RM or, you know, go to the different members. Um, and I just remember when they were like looking at this UNICEF stuff and he's like, oh my gosh, we are suddenly directing things outside of the music world. Like we're now interacting with different spheres of this world and like, are we equipped to do this? And then it's just like that wrestling and conversation, not only with the other members, but with himself and his identity was really like stood out to me. Um, I think that that is just the, like how they are always in conversation with themselves and each other continues. Like that'll be my refrain for all of these questions um, because they think so much about it and they want to be so thoughtful and give back to the fans so much. Yeah, I, I agree with that because, I mean, first of all, yes, let's bubble wrap Jimin for sure. I mean, he, I say this all the time, like when we talk about Jimin, like on the pod, not on the pod, whatever, I want him to be my friend because he feel I feel like he's such a good friend. I feel like he's that, like, obviously he's that friend that will fly hours and hours across the world so that you're not nervous at your first Lollapalooza gig, right? Like he's going to show up at D-Day. He's going to, you know, bring you a birthday cake. Like he's going to remember those little things that you like, right? He's going to remember those little tiny, like I, I saw this and I thought of you. He's like that friend, which is amazing. But I think too, what still isn't, I guess I don't know why I'm amazed, but like, each and every one of them in this book, when we talk about how they're changing um, voices and, and hearts and, and things globally, every single one of them struggles with it. Every single one of them asks themselves, am I equipped to do this? Am I equipped to have this type of influence? And I think at, in some degree, a lot of that is probably curated. Nobody's perfect. I'm not, you know, this isn't a drag or anything, but just like humans, none of us are perfect. But I think the fact that they really sat down and thought about how they were impacting their fans um, globally and how they were making big changes in the world 
it was really interesting to me. I don't know that there are other artists that really take the time to think before they do big things like that, before they say yes to the UN. You know, I feel like when they said yes to things like UNICEF or the UN or even places that they donate to, I, you know, I, I want to say that they, them and the company probably really thought, how is this going to impact the entire wave? Not just us, you know, it's not just about making us look good. It's like, how does it impact everybody? And I find that really interesting because I don't know that here in the West, we do that. You know, you hear of stars that like they gave to this company and you're like, Ooh, I don't, I don't like that, you know, or that makes me, that's not, not where my, you know, values go. But I think like as a, on a whole, BTS really thinks about that they think about all the layers and how they impact every single person i did like the part in the book that they talk about how they're influencing their fans to seek out other media you know we talk about rm and his art um we talk about um you know rm and his books we have a book club here you know we're talking about rm's book club right now um and it's really had us go out of the box you know i said when, when we talked about um human acts i did not know about that um, Guangzhou uprising or the student uprising. I didn't know about that. Didn't know about that whole history of Korea in that context. And it really made me seek out other media to learn more about it. So they really put thought into what they do. They really put thought into where they put their likeness or their face or their influence. I was really struck. I thought that was, was super cute because of course it's JK. So of course I think it's like adorable. Whatever he does is like, I love it. But he was talking about when they were in Saudi Arabia and how warm it was and how their fans were out, you know, in, waiting for them, like camping out, trying to get into the um, stadium or arena that they were playing. And he talks about how um, they had their hair covered and how he was worried about them because he didn't want them to be too hot. Um, and are they OK? And have we really thought about our fans and like what they go through to see us? And I just thought, you know what you are, that's the relationship that people don't understand because they, they really do think like that. If you think about D-Day, Sugar rented out an entire like place next door. So there could be air conditioning because it was gonna be really hot on the days of his concert. And I just, to me, that speaks volumes about the kind of people that they are and why they have the power to change hearts. Because when you see what they're doing as humans, you also want to like improve as a human too. And I think that's kind of the magic of the group. Yeah, it, it really is. I, I, I'm, it's, I don't need them to be perfect and I'm okay with them if they make mistakes. Uh, but I just think no matter what, they're just such a force of good in the world. But I, I also, the book really made me think about how that's been a burden for them too and how they had to come to grips with that and deal with that weight of like like you said you know the weight of the world on Namjoon's shoulder well here's some more <laughs> let's put some more anvils on your shoulders <laughs> let's just have you be a role model for everyone in the world you know so wow what a lot for them to carry as such uh young people um I thought it was really yeah like like you said that the fact that they reflect they reflect so much on everything but there was that I think the one little piece that stuck in my mind the most was when uh, Jimin was struggling with this newfound role and whether he deserved it and whether they deserved it and how to handle it and went to talk to Namjoon and that's when Namjoon said you know what with this responsibility comes this opportunity. We have the power to change hearts and that just, you know, he just, <laughs> he just makes me want to cry. He's just he has a such, way with words. He does. You know, he's, he he really is a poet. 
Yeah. He really has a way with words. I don't, again, I don't know that this equation works uh, without one of them and how Mm -hmm. they were able to all come together and be in a group together just still really amazes me. Um, I also wanted real quick to say that when Allison was talking about V saying, you know, I can't go in these foreign countries anymore and just go do what I want, get food or walk around or whatever. Um, there's a clip from a long time ago. J-Hope had this, which I love, but J-Hope had this thing when they were anywhere, like whether it was Bon Voyage or whatever. In the early days, he would say, oh, sorry, important business suit, important business suit. Like that was his way of saying, oh, sorry, we can't take pictures or we can't get autographs, like very nicely. And there's this one clip, like after a, like, after a page has turned, they're a little bit more famous and someone stops him and he says, oh, sorry, important business. And they say before he can even get it out, they're like, oh, important business, Sue. And he like <laughs> looks at the other member like, how do they know that? They already <laughs> knew that. Like, oh, my, and it's like, well, because you're famous, bro. Mm-hmm. Like they are, they have your number now. Like you can't fool with <laughs> anymore that you're just walking around the streets. So, but I think that was really impactful too. I can't imagine like going from being able just to walk around the, I mean, I still say like, Sugar was walking the streets of Chicago and I'm like, I don't even know if I would be able to recognize him at this point. The fact that that man was able to walk down the street and like there were like no casualties. I don't understand. But like it must be weird to go out and not to like just in even where they live, not to be able to go down the street and buy a drink like a soda Mm -hmm. or a bottle of soju or whatever they want. It's like they have to like covert operations to get, you know. Just or to, to take the, the train seat. without somebody having oh. sold the seats next to you so that, you know, that people, weirdo fans could sit next to you on the train. That just disgusts me. It's the worst thing I've ever heard. Or well, like not the worst, this, but it's pretty bad. But yeah, or like JK <laughs> getting food deliveries. To yeah. His building, having yeah. to go on a live and say, stop sending food. Like, thank you, but I can't, I can't take it. Yeah. Don't show up at my gym. Yeah. So they're still dealing with it. They're still dealing with it. That little, before we close this topic, that little vignette in the book about, um, uh, Jimin and Jungkook haven't going to Japan and they were able to actually walk around freely because it was Halloween and they could wear costumes. Oh, that broke my heart. I mean, I'm glad they had fun, but it also kind of broke my heart that it took that, you know? Oh my goodness. All right. Well, We uh, also wanted to talk about uh, a theme that has come up over and over throughout the history of BTS and is continuing to this day. This is something that they refer to in their individual, their solo work, in their group work, and it's just something that they keep revisiting over and over and over again in various levels, and that is the topic of masking. And in fact, reading the chapters, I didn't even realize how much, to what extent their huge hit fake love was actually in fact about masking, (laughs) you know, because if you only really listen to the English lyrics, you can kind of take it as a, you know, some kind of a heartbreak song or something like that, but it's actually really about masking and the members have had to struggle over these many years with how to balance their personal and professional lives like we were just talking about they've had to figure out what their what their public personas are what their personas are as performers um, and whether they want to have or where they want to have the lines between that and their personal lives and so um, yeah so the book in this 
in these later chapters starts to talk more and more, I think, about the ongoing struggles and exploration of that masking and unmasking process. And I think now in the current era, we're seeing a lot more of the unmasking going on. Uh, and this ha can happen in their relationship with ARMY, with each other, with themselves even. And so uh, leading off with Megan, uh, are there any thoughts that you'd like to share about that? Just, it's a little tiny topic, no big deal. <laughs> I, I mean, it's a huge topic and you know, I, we can do a whole podcast on masking and what that looks like. But I think for me, you know, the biggest takeaway on this is that it, this is the where they draw the line where they don't want to be fake anymore. Right. And not that they were before. They're very authentic. They've always been authentic. But this is the point at which they're like, look, we are feeling big things. We want to continue to feel these big things, but we also want to continue to have like some freedom about it. And it just makes me think like you get to a certain point I feel like they got to a certain point where they were famous in a way that they really dreamed about in a way they really wanted but they didn't quite know what that meant and then here they are in the idol industry there's a lot of masking um we know that from following other groups we know that from groups that have disbanded and come back together you know I mean I don't follow a lot of them but I do read about them um, and, you know, for so long, there was a formula, I feel like an idol formula, going to start an idol group, it, you got to have this, you know, you got to have a maknae, you got to have a leader, you got to have, you know, whatever the formula was, and you put that together, and you have an idol group, you sing these songs, and your genre is this, and you have a rap line, or you don't, or you have the whatever it is, there was like this whole formula to it. And I feel like with everything else BTS has done, they have broke that formula because they started, I mean, not that they didn't write from the very beginning, but they really started writing the way that they wanted and expressing the emotions in the way that they wanted. And I feel like that really, it doesn't start with fake love, but fake love was like, hey, did you guys pick up what we're throwing down on all these albums back here? Did you really understand what we're doing? Um, because like I've talked about before, they're high concept. Um, and so you can hear that song on face value and be like, oh, that was a bad breakup. Like that's, ooh, that's a, that's hard. But when you really dig a little bit deeper, which is what I love about this book, you do get that like, oh, a double meaning. Okay, they were going through some shit and they're sick of it. And they, they want to do something. Not they want to do something else, but they want going like the future. This is what I, this is where we're going. This is the path. This is how we're redirecting or whatever. So I think it's really interesting. And I think that they can, they continually in this book from this point on break the mold. Um, and they are always setting the trend. And I think that's really interesting. You know, in our last book club, I said, man, if I was a idol group in 2013, when they debuted, I would have been like, uh Oh, and I just feel like they keep doing that. I really do. I mean, we could, it, it makes me think of, Reese, because it's very recent, TXT at Lollapalooza, even Stray Kids, because Stray Kids did a Lollapalooza Paris, TXT did a Lollapalooza in the United States. I don't know that those performances would have happened if it wasn't for J-Hope. I really don't. I don't think, I don't know that New Jeans would have had that crowd in front of them if it wasn't for J-Hope. Um, and so, again, we're talking about a group that takes their present and molds their own future. And they do it in a way that we go, oh my God, I love this song. It's great. It's beautiful. It's every. And then when you get into it, you're like, 
Oh, you could listen to if you didn't know anything about Sugar, you didn't know anything about BTS. You could listen to D Day and think that shit slaps. Like that's amazing. Those songs are amazing. He sounds great. I love this rap. This you know this track is fire. But when you are in the fandom and you read about this person, you do research about this person, you read the book, you know about the group, you go, that shit was deep. That is life-changing. His life changed. He started here and now he's here. And I think like fake love, that's what fake love reminds me of. That like almost feels like a benchmark in BTS is like where they went from this point on. Um, Not that the other stuff before wasn't great. I love all of it. But I just feel like this was kind of like a, this was like a line in the sand of what, here we go. Now we're, we're on this path. And I just think that's kind of an important thing to bookmark. I think what comes to mind, like RM, like we had talked about, has such a way with words, but he talks at one point in the book about like the fantasy component of K-pop, which insert shameless plug for sister podcast Afternoona Asks um, and their episode on the Burning Sun scandal, which really is amazing. They did a phenomenal job, but that's that's the k-pop fantasy and with just always that like acknowledgement that this is one side that we're seeing like one very stylized perfected choreographed version of bts not that they're not true to us obviously like when you're reading this and the quotes that they give us they're so genuine and thoughtful but it is curated. And I think that just like these little peeps that we get behind the curtain of them of like RM saying K-pop is a fantasy. But if I come out and tell my fans that I'm genuinely thankful for them, that like I appreciate that I get to make music and it is because of them, then that comes off as like not real or like just always having to think about these pieces and I think, you know, this is sort of like outside of the fake love chapter, but I think he talks about just the mask that he has to wear really well in that particular section. Um, and then you sort of see that paired with, and this is when I discovered art. So this is when I got to be a little bit more connected to this part of myself. And then you hear about Sugar going fishing with Jin and telling Jin thank you. That meant a lot for me. I needed that for my well-being. I appreciate you. Like, unless you are sort of lifting off and exploring all of these different parts and, you know, acknowledging that there's like this one persona of me, this part of me that has to come up and be, you know, in the forefront and like presentable to the public. And then there's other parts of me that doesn't know what I like to do if I'm not making music. The only thing I've ever done in my entire life is making music. Like that is my leisure activity and my work activity and my rest activity. (laughs) You know, it's like, so I needed to go fishing to realize that there's other parts of me as well. Um, So that was just, when I think about the masks and sort of zoom out a little bit to think about how that plays a role in the K-pop industry and then zoom back into how it affects the um, BTS, 
like listening to each of them find these different things on their own and be like, oh, this is a really cool thing that I can do that isn't necessarily related to BTS, but is going to help me explore my identity and make music down the road. Yeah, I, it's, it's really deep stuff. <laughs> I mean, and, and as we know, I mean, at the time, they were starting to move into writing an album that was dealing with these topics and others at the level of Jungian psychology. I mean, this stuff runs deep. So I'll just, you all have articulated it so well that I'll just kind of go to the 30,000 foot level and just say that my takeaway from this, one of them anyway, was the one that made the impression on me was just how it seems uh, like one of the predominant themes is their search for their authentic voice, I guess, with in the music and in their conversations with ARMY, uh, you know, everything from, you know, new songs to uh, V Lives or Weverse Lives later, and how um, it seemed like kind of building on our previous conversation about 2018 and the decision to stay together and what what would make it worth staying in this life that they were, this crazy life that they were leading. It's like, like it wouldn't be worth it if you weren't able to the degree that was healthy for you to be your authentic self as an artist. Um, And how thankfully they found and have been continuing to find ways to do that, to speak their truth, so to speak, to, um, to unmask to the degree that's healthy for them uh, and to share their deeper feelings and experiences with us and how lucky are we. Uh, it seems to make it more meaningful for them uh, and give them that reason to keep going. Anyway, that was just uh, kind of what percolated up out of it for me. Another theme that comes up in the second half of the book is one that um, I didn't realize there was actually a term for it, and I didn't have time to look up what it is in the Korean language. But the author raised a saying about um, going from idol to artist. In other words, if you're an artist, if you're a uh, an idol group that can stand the test of time and sort of make it through that first five or seven years, then I apparently there's this next sort of transcendence that you're supposed to try to achieve which is becoming a more uh i guess respected and proven artist and sort of start to transcend the line from being uh, you know a boy or girl band group or member into being a more um critically i guess critically accepted artist in the music scene and so as we get into uh songs like black swan and idol we see bts starting to grapple with where that line is how to cross it do we want to totally transcend it or do we want to break that dichotomy uh, and so um, here's another, <laughs> yet another challenge for them to face, because we know how much derision they got and still get for being, quote unquote, a boy, a boy group um, and, and having been cast as an idol group from the beginning. And so um, just going first here on this one, uh, 
I guess I guess you still see it playing out. Um, songs like Idol talking about um, how they're embracing the role of Idol rather than trying to discard it altogether. Because I don't know if they'll ever be able to totally escape from it, even if they wanted to. And so I thought one thing that was so beautiful about it is how they basically take it. And, and this is, of course, the whole theme of the song Idol and say, it's not a bad thing. We are artists, but we're idols too. And we love that about our journey. We accept that about our path. Uh, and we <laughs> literally, <laughs> they say, uh, and I love myself. I'm going to accept myself. I'm going to accept this part of my path as an artist. Um, and so I felt like they kind of have disrupted that dichotomy to the extent that it was a dichotomy before that you were either, either an idol group or an idol group member or an artist that they've um, disrupted that conversation quite a lot uh, and kind of opened up some some room to not have that be, be such a strict uh, choice that an artist would have to make. That was the only so-called deep thoughts that I had so far. <laughs> I mean, I would just say this comes on the heels of them becoming popular in the West. Um, and the biggest pushback in the West is, well, they're a boy band. They're K-pop idols. That's not, we don't, we don't do that here, right? Like that was the over, I remember being a regular old person, just regular person living my life, hearing about BTS. You know, my, my dad would get Rolling Stone magazine. He didn't save that one though. Him and I are in a fight about that. He used to get Rolling Stone magazine. And I went, I remember him saying, do you know these guys? Because they're on the cover. And obviously if they're on the cover, they're important. But like, I read the article. I don't, I don't really know anything about them. And I was like, yeah, Dad, I don't mean, I know, I, I don't even think I've heard one of their songs before. So to me, you know, this is a point at which they're kind of breaking through uh, this like Western lens, right? This like almost like Western glass ceiling for K-pop. And the pushback was, well, they're a boy band. Well, they're an idol group. And this song is basically saying, and so what? I'm also an artist. I also really like myself. I love what I'm doing. I'm going to keep doing it. So you go ahead and keep, you know, hating on me and I'm going to keep doing what I do. And at some point, you're going to hate it or you're going to love it. And, you know, I don't remember much about BTS as far as like before I became ARMY, before I was in the fandom, before I really started paying attention. But I had seen them on magazine covers. I had seen them at you know, clips on Instagram being at events. I follow like Rolling Stone and Entertainment, you know, Weekly and Entertainment uh, Tonight, their, you know, Instagram account or whatever. But I feel like this song was really that pushback to the West saying, "We're, but we're here and we're breaking records. And like, people want us here. You know, there's a part in the book, if you back up a little bit, where they're, when they were on SNL with Emma Stone, and Emma Stone and like one of some of the other cast members like jokingly made fun of the fact that people were camping out um, to get in to see them on SNL. And they were like, she was like, well, I'm just going to camp out here until BTS shows up. But in the book, they say, because that was really happening. The Today Show was coming every morning and broadcasting that people were camped out. And that happened with JK going on GMA. They started camping out five days before six days before and people were shocked like what are these people doing here it's supposed to rain all week it's supposed to do and they were like yeah well well we'll figure it out we're just gonna 
<laughs> you know, they had their beauty buckets and they were ready to go, guys. Like they knew what they were doing. So like to me, this song is really one of those things where, yes, they're talking about the dichotomy. They're talking about the disruption for their own fans in their own country and their own music machine. Right. The Korean music machine, however that works. But I feel like also it was a real good lesson for us in the West that we're still on the naysayer side for them to say, hey, also, I'm all of these things, too. You might think I'm just this. But I'm all of these things too. And I think, you know, I love that. I, I love that they continue to do that. I love that they continue to like drag the naysayers in like such an upbeat way. Cause like Idol's a bop, you know, like Idol's such a great song, but also like we were getting dragged. I don't know if anyone realizes that. <laughs> I think that one thing that struck me in this like section of the book is that they were also just rediscovering joy and they were like man we're training like we were training in our training days (laughs) like we're working hard for this like I'm having to warm up my legs and like I think that they liked that of going into performances like the this period of their um discography like rediscovering that trainee level of passion and energy. And I think that's what stood out to me in this particular part of the book is like, oh man, like I I can't find it in the book, but there was some place where it was like, we enjoyed this. There was passion. Like those were words that I was like highlighting as I read this and you know, like how good it felt to them, even though they were exhausted again, but they got to, have that level of energy but this time a little bit older a little bit wiser a little bit more sure of themselves and like with a little bit more like yeah this is who we are and we don't need you you know like we're just here to give performances we don't need the grammy you know like that level of energy um which is a pretty fun place to be at least it from what they're talking, like how they're talking in the book. I just loved that they got to rediscover joy in that. It makes total sense too, coming right off the heels of the the crisis about whether to break up because uh, wasn't this Idol was one of the songs they performed at the 2018 MMAs. So this this is right in that later part of that time period. So what a beautiful thing that they were able to use that and you can and you can feel it's like you were just talking about you can feel their their cohesion um like the the kind of more mature cohesion that we're seeing from them now starting to take root then it's beautiful i just add really quick that yeah. i love the way that they talk about black swan and the rollout for black swan i was not in the fandom yet but i cannot i know how excited i am now I like the content drops that we get and we get like the little teasers and I cannot imagine being army and then them just like dropping these like little teasers about black swan because eh, black swan is an event. All the iterations of black swan are an event. They're beautiful. And I, I just like every once in a while there'll be a video and it's like, Oh, do you remember this debut or do you remember this teaser? And I wasn't in the family yet. And I'm always like, uh, I just what my whole life would have stopped. Like when they dropped the teaser for layover for V, I couldn't do anything for like an hour. And that's not an over exaggeration. Like I had to go to every platform, I had to go to, like every like sneak peek. So I just, you know, if you were if you're listening to this right now and you were army, 
when the black swan teaser and like content started dropping hats off to you bravo because i can't i just i can't even imagine i can't there's i will watch on disney plus ptd la just for black swan like i'll just go i'll fast forward all of it just to get is it be it's a work of art like it it should win awards just that little clip like however long it is because it's amazing and i just i can't even wrap my head around it yeah it really stretched the boundaries i can't i can't imagine having survived the teaser for blood sweat and tears either i would not have survived that no way <laughs> i'm still not I, i'm not surviving it now <laughs> yes because okay we kind of like we kind of talked about this before we started recording um because we were going to talk about wings and i just have to say like i don't know as ar- like the army i am now I feel like I would have been the same kind of army in the beginning, right? Like, just give me all the content and want every single piece of it. And they went from a very hip hop styling to silk pajamas. And like, and even in the book, I opened the photo, like there's beautiful photos in the book. And I was like, wait, wait, what? Like they're in a bathtub and this one's over here. And this, uh, it, there's so many different things happening. The colors change. It's like a richer color palette. It's all these things. And like, I, what was that like? I, I need to interview. I want to interview someone to be like, what was that like? When wings dropped, what happened? Because I just feel like it was such a shift. And it was like, it had to be a phenomenon. Like it just had to be like all consuming, all overwhelming. Cause it's, go- the, it's gorgeous. If you're listening to this and you don't know what I'm talking about, just go on Google or I mean if you're on TikTok put BTS wings you'll see what I'm talking about and you'll it it'll blow you away like you'll just be like wait a minute what yeah when they went totally high concept and then managed to stay meaningful and authentic at the same time this is part of their magic that's incredible all right so speaking of wings we were just starting to talk about that era um the wings album was one of, and this kind of is where we left off at the end of chapter four was the first album where we had a solo song from each member, a solo performance from each member. And of course, now we are in the era of solo uh, debuts for each of the members. And so just what thoughts do you have, if any, that you would like to share about that trajectory, how that, how that started, how it's, how it's been going the whole arc? Yeah, I, Again, I did not devour content in the beginning. And if you're new army listening to this, you don't have to. Like if you got here because of Augusty, if you're here because of Jack in the Box, whatever it is, if you're just scrolling and saw and you're like now a fan, you don't have to be in this fandom and know every single tidbit. Some of us do. um, And that's great. And some of us don't. And I'm one of those people that didn't devour content as quickly, like the the backlog. Cause I came in of uh, like almost two, like what, two years ago. And I had a lot to learn. So wings, it, you like this book is so great for new army. Um, like myself, I still consider myself pretty new because I didn't know a lot of these stories. I didn't know about a lot of these solos. I didn't even know the significance of them. I had heard them because again, when I started uh, in the fandom, I just kind of went to Spotify and hit shuffle and played me BTS, whatever, all from A to Z, like from the very beginning to the very end. So I didn't really put the like connect the dots a lot. And this really helped with that. 
Um, and what I said at the last, last time, last time we recorded for book club was right before V gave us a solo song. And I was like, if you listen to what his solo songs are on wings, I'm hoping that's kind of like, maybe this is what we're getting. And we kind of did. We're getting this like slow, like jazz melody. I mean, it's gorgeous. It's super sexy. Like, it, I mean, it's great. And so I looking at this and then looking at where we are now. Yeah. I think like this was just such a really great, was like great foreshadowing that maybe they didn't even realize that like one day they were going to come out of like on the other side and have these solo projects. Um, and so it was, a, it's a lot of fun now to go back and look at this and hit every QR code and watch every performance and see every single bit of this because I, it's just so much fun. And it does again, really give you kind of like an insight um, to like what those projects kind of evolved, you know, how we, how we got to where we are today. So yeah, like that, that's my takeaway from wings. Also, like I said, the, the styling of wings, gorge, like beautiful, beautiful pictures, beautiful, everything. I don't know what I would have done. I don't know what I've done with the content. I'm drowning in content now. I can't even, I can't even imagine. I can't, I can't imagine either them, them, because the, the book explained that the wings concept book uh, which we shared uh, links for, I think, in our pre- show notes from the previous part one of this. Yeah, yeah. And Megan's holding up a, one of the concept photos. I mean, that was a hu- apparently a huge um, stage in their evolution uh, when they, they just really shifted to high concept. So huge seismic shift. I guess all I really wanted to share about this was, I mean, Megan's already explained so well, that you know how neat it is to be able to be army in this age of their solo um, debuts and to be able to look back and see how that evolution started um at least around the time of those first solo performances in wings those are still some of my favorite songs of all time for bts those seven songs um i mean wow the artistry the performances um I feel like we that's when you really start to get to know them as army as individuals a little bit more uh in terms of what they're capable of and the them showing us the personas that they're developing and so on later on um Jimin talks about uh and this is not not from wings but later he talks about filter and how that how important that solo performance was and that song was for him exploring again that previous topic about masking like how much is he, is that him? How much is that a mask and playing around with that, that masking and unmasking. Uh, and, and I guess the only other thing I wanted to share was just as we watch that whole arc from wings to now, how funny it is to me as their fan when, cause I believe they're capable of anything and I have no like reservations about that whatsoever. I can totally see it. It's easy for me to see objectively that they can do anything but how much they still to this day seem to be a little bit surprised at what they're capable of. I mean, I, I saw, you know, just within the last couple of weeks, Yunki wrapped up his uh, D-Day tour and you could see the other members going, holy shit, one of us just did a world tour on their own. And when Hobie did uh, Lollapalooza, holy shit, one of us just drew 100,000 people at a U.S. music festival. And they're still 
to it, right in this moment, figuring out what they're capable of and realizing, oh my gosh, I can do that. We can do that. And now we're going to get more of it. So that just blows my mind. Uh, and collaborations like Jen's collaboration with Coldplay and, and J-Hope making his dreams come true with J. Cole and just all of it. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. And the only other thing yeah. I want to add about Wings to the listeners yeah. is that if there's any listeners out there that love sugar in the pink silk, silk pajamas, this is the one. This is where that happens. So I'm just putting that out there because I share that reel a lot and we get a lot of hits on that one. Like when I just mm-hmm. put it up in stories. So if you're listening and that's a uh, Hobie, this is the era. Hobie also has the ginger hair. Mm-hmm. Um, not the whole time for wings, but like in these concept photos, that's that's what he's doing. And it's also about the time that JK goes from looking little doe-eyed baby doll to like a man. So mm-hmm. just I'm gonna put that out there. I don't know how old he is, so don't come for me. I'm just saying there's a shift in the matrix and he goes from I'm adorable bunny to one day I'm going to be a CK model. That's all I'm going to say. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, he's growing into, he's a world artist and he's growing into that persona. And there was something I think you said, and I'm going to bring it up just because I think it might have been before we started recording, Megan, which is that you talked about... um, Oh, you were talking about the gender, the gender stuff, like how they were showing their soft side. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Okay, A little bit, Mm because, you know, this isn't like a, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not. Not not like a big exposition. I'm not assuming anything. All I'm Mm -hmm. saying is, is that for me and reading this book, that's what this is about. This is about my experience with this book. And my experience with this book was I didn't realize the timeline. And how they went from this very masculine look, um, looking like hip hop stars that we see in the West, to the silk pajamas and the rhinestone, you know, mules that they're wearing or the softer um, fabrics of their uh, suits. They're also wearing bright, you know, Yungi's wearing pink. I feel like that that was a big deal um, at that time for him to come out in those satin or silk pajamas you know so well, especially colors... as a hardcore hip-hop artist sure. right. i mean this is mm-hmm. the man that's like coming for your throat yeah. right but then he's like but also i'm this which is fantastic so like for me i to me this felt really big almost like a shift of what they wanted for the for their group and what they wanted to show us who they are um because it does change the colors change the styling changed their I'm not going to say their sound changed, but we do talk about the focus on the solo songs and those solo songs really pave a way for what we're getting today. Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting to me as someone who didn't do all the deep diving, who didn't like go back and really learn the history of BTS right away, kind of learned as I went along. This book has really served the purpose of showing me what it was like from the very beginning and to like where we are today. And I can't express that enough. Like if, even if you're not like the newest of army, it's a great way to like get this all together and really understand how, where we are today with them as the, like the members who the members are today, kind of where the group is today and like how we got here. Um, Especially if you didn't know any of that before. So yeah, I just feel like that was a real big, you could see it like you could just see the little changing their hair changed a little bit you know they have new hair colors 
um, little bit of a softer look, less of the black eyeliner. There's this funny video of them watching themselves at debut and like arms like, like, oh, look at the passion in her eyes. And V's like, that was the eyeliner. Like, <laughs> I love that line. We he's were so, scared or whatever. It's so funny. He's like, I think that's eyeliner. I was just like, oh my God, V, I love you so much. But yeah, like, I just felt that was for a fan. That was really, that stuck out to me as yeah. being a kind of like a shift in what we're getting as a group. And yeah, I, lo- I mean, I love it. Yeah, love it. it was a, a one big, early step and then breaking down so many boundaries is incredible well uh now we get to the later era or right around the time that so many of us became army which is the pandemic uh so in the pandemic area era excuse me where we go from the b album um up to you know butter permission to dance dynamite and even what feels to me like their very recent performance at the grammys uh, we we see them developing a lot of maturity and confidence uh, and playing a huge role for so many people in surviving and possibly even thriving a bit during the pandemic, all while they're going through their own trials and tribulations, uh, going through that time like we all did. Um, in the book, uh, if you have the English language version, um, it's on page 439, even refers to their story uh, this as being part of their story, which is really a hero's arc. <laughs> and I thought that was great. You know, it's really so true. And I think that's part of their story that, that um, one of the reasons why their story is so compelling to so many people. So um, I'll just quickly lead off on this one uh, by just reiterating that just for me personally, they absolutely did um, were the, the beacon through the pandemic by the time I K dramas it started with K dramas and then uh, later phases ended with them. And uh, it's, yeah, you can see that, that arc continuing that we got with love yourself tear. They get through that 2018, they get stronger. They decide to stay together. They find their new vision for their new, their role as global artists and as individuals and then they're thrust into another crisis, <laughs> uh, a crisis that this time we're all thrust into. They suddenly lose their live audience. Um, they have to figure out what they're about. We, It's not really discussed in the book, which perhaps they couldn't discuss it at the time. We only know this now because of the era around the Busan concert uh, last year that they were trying to decide whether to go to the military uh, and that they had decided to um, stick it out longer at, at some pretty great personal expense and hardship and criticism that they endured because of that, um, to be able to be there for the world, really, um, and to talk about the all the pain and hardship in the B album, and then to move into joy with the three English songs, uh, and yeah, um, yeah, I guess I don't really have much else to say about it other than how amazing it is that they did that and how, you know, I think they, it, it keeps bringing me back to Love Yourself Tear. The B album was about what they were going through. It was about what Army was going through and what the world was going through, but it was about what they were going through too. And then they moved into, um, which is very revealing, and then they move into those very joyful songs that helped people find a lot of uh, 
happiness and purpose again, even while the pandemic was still going on. That's all I wanted to share. <laughs> Allison, what were your thoughts? I so as as I was reading the last part of this book, so this is a big book. It's four hundred and ninety six pages of like, and then after four hundred and ninety six is a timeline. Four hundred and ninety six pages, and I was looking at it, and I was like, I came in at page four hundred and sixty three. Like, there's a whole lot. It just sort of put my own experience in the fandom in perspective, and that was very uh eye-opening for me to be like oh I've got this itty bitty sliver where I'm like I see these like I see myself in each of these like significant moments of like the Grammy performance like I remember messaging Leah like permission to dance LA goes on sale let's go you know like having no idea that that would actually happen because I knew one, that this would be the tour to end all tours and that we might not get to see them again, that this was a big deal. And so just like how, and I had only been army maybe six months before that, like before we went to go see them live, maybe I can't remember exactly. And just like, Oh, I was so baby army. (laughs) So baby army at that point. Um, And just for them sort of, listening to how they like sort of kept up with the success and being like they were just thrust in the limelight and they had all this momentum and then all of a sudden they were back in like pandemic everything shut down and they're like how do we make sense of all of this um so that's all my takeaways from this section well I I wouldn't be me if I didn't have to take a moment and honor everyone that had map of the soul tickets because they were going to tour with map of the soul and I got canceled and I didn't realize that and how heartbreaking that was until way later when um, I can't remember the shop. She made a pin, she made pins like uh, the enamel pins of a house of house of pins, house of pins who I love. Yes. Thank you. House of pins. And it was like a tombstone and it said RIP Mott's tickets. And the gasp that came out for me when I realized like, oh, people had barricade. People had great tickets. They had sound check. They had, and it all was canceled. So first of all, a moment of silence for them. Okay. I see you. I have no idea what that felt like, but like, I'm sorry. Like it, it has to be said that not only, I mean, they Obviously, BTS suffered a lot. Obviously, they had to cancel their tour. They were in lockdown as we were in lockdown, all of that stuff. But can you imagine, like, Map of the Soul is such an album that they were going to tour with, and it never happened. So that really stuck out for me. I knew those things, but it was like, ooh. Um, the other thing that really stuck out for me is B was released on 11-20-2020, and I could have used it then I didn't know about them then but I could have used it then because three of my favorite BTS songs are on this album and I got this album last year for Christmas and I barely cracked it open because I cannot sit with this album without crying it's my favorite one of my favorites um but the other thing um I look it up my journey starts on page 460 Allison so thank you for pointing that out there's only like 30 pages left of this book but I'm with you, Tanya, like permission to dance. I, I found them through butter. 
um, and I loved Butter. I thought it was a great song. I was like, I like this. This makes me happy. This song makes me happy. Now I'm watching clips of them being their silly comedic selves. That makes me happy. They're funny. They know how to take a joke. They know how to laugh at themselves. I love this. Give me more. And then I heard Permission to Dance. And when I heard Permission to Dance, again, I was at Dance Nationals. It I didn't hear it right when it debuted. I wasn't that kind of army yet. I wasn't like, it's dropping tonight. I wasn't that army yet. I was just scrolling. And they were like, oh, they released their new song and their new music video. And I was like, oh, I should watch this. And I remember thinking we're at this dance competition and there's a spike in COVID in Los Angeles County and in Orange County where we were, we're here. Um, my dot, they're, they're not wearing masks when they're on stage. They can't. We're not really masking because what's the point if my daughters can't mask? I mean, we're all in this like area of germs. And I remember feeling like I could already feel the anxiety in me, right? I was always already like, oh God, we're going to go home and everyone's going to be sick and we're going to. And then I watched this and the content after and the song was like the hope. It's not going to be like this forever. You're not going to feel this way forever. You're not going to have to worry about these things forever. Not that I don't worry about, I still worry about them, but in the way that I was worried about them. And it really changed how I felt about this group. It really changed. First of all, the video is amazing. I know that it's English language. So sometimes it's like, oh, it's the English language version. And that's why everyone loves it. Yes. But also they do sign language in this, which I thought was amazing. Um, the, how, the happiness, right? They show people coming back together. They show friends meeting. They show schools. They show kids going back to playgrounds. It was just so hopeful in that moment. I thought, okay, this is what I needed. I needed someone to show me what it can look like. And then after that, I was just kind of in for it. Like I watched Butter on the Bridge, Jimmy Fallon. I was like, I'm in. <laughs> like, what is your name? And what is your name? And you're adorable. Who are you? Um, and that's kind of how I feel like a lot of us that were pandemic army kind of came in. Like we just heard these songs and they were so happy and they were so joyful. And then after I did all of this, that's when I found the B album. You know, I was here and then it kind of backtracking and then they're like, oh, you should listen to this. And you should. And then I went, oh, um, life goes on is a pandemic journey journey. It's beautiful. Um, and I love it. And it really it's one of those songs that can really encapsulate. Like if someone ever asked me, what was it like? I would probably play them that song. This is what it was like. This is these lyrics is exactly what it was like. Um, and I've said this before and I'll say it again. I hope at some point they understand that legacy. I hope at some point they understand their pandemic legacy because I don't know. I know that they know what they went through and I know that they like Jimin talks about face and that being like what he did during the pandemic and how that helped him. So I know they understand what that was like. You know, we just got the clip of sugar talking about climbing in between his parents um, because everything was canceled and like, what was he going to do? So I know that they went through similar things that army and like everyday people, uh, people that aren't army, everybody went through at that time globally. I just hope that one day they really understand their legacy and how they really helped so many people during the pandemic find hope again, find joy again, um, and really pull themselves out of some dark situations. And I know that they've done that before. There's lots of stories about how BTS 
saved people. And that's not to take away anything from that. I'm just saying the pandemic was such a collective experience globally. And I hope that one day they realize or someone points out to them like, hey, you guys did this. You, you guys helped with this. Um, there was also a clip recently. I think it was when JK was at GMA and there was, it was, for, I got this on Twitter, but it was someone that was there and there was staff. It was either at, when he was at GMA or when he was in the UK, one of those two performances, I would have to go back and look, but someone, an army told the staff, they really saved my life. Like BTS saved my life. And the staff member said, they know. And I thought that was really important. Yeah. That was in London. That that mm -hmm. was, uh, that really stuck with me too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't overstate the role that B played in helping me through the pandemic, even though I discovered it later in the process. And I just am great. Just like what you were just alluding to. I am so grateful for them because they're some of the only artists that were willing to, to take it on. And to help people in the moment when we really needed it. There's still no television shows dealing with it I, that I've seen. Like, I, I haven't seen popular media telling stories about what we went through. And maybe even we'll go through again. I hope not. There's one little mini K-drama. And I can drop this in the show notes that I just watched. It's a little, like one of those ones that has little 15-minute episodes. It must have been a webtoon. And it's set during the pandemic at college. And it's all about, you know, having to wear masks and being separated from your friends. And and and, and that I I was blown away by that because it's still the other than the album B by BTS and that little tiny K drama, those are the only two things I've ever seen that really were willing to tell those stories. Yeah, I remember watching during the pandemic, um, well not really like post pandemic. So like when we started to get going back to work that kind of thing and people were able to go and like record and Grey's Anatomy did I'm a huge Grey's Anatomy fan and at the time Grey's Anatomy was dealing with the pandemic but at that time I was not ready to see those things I wasn't ready to deal with those things because I was still at home I mean I still really felt the 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 lockdown um so in that sense that's why I ended up going to K-drama because I needed something that was not my reality so a lot of those stories were like, they were all happy stories, like, you know, love stories and romance and, you know, crash landing, crash landing on you is like not based in reality anywhere. Right. But it's such a good K drama that you're like, I'm in it. Let's go. So yeah, I agree with you. Like, I think slowly we're getting books, slowly we're getting a little bit more media. Um, and that at, it's probably one of those things like it took us a long time to write about 9-11. I think like mm -hmm. the pandemic will be kind of like the same yeah. thing. It's going to take yeah. us a little while to like collectively wrap our brains around things that like we just, wow, that mm -hmm. really happened. Wow. We really did that. So um, yeah, I just, like I said before, I just really hope that they understand because it really did change my life because I'm here with you guys. Right. And like that wouldn't have happened. No. You know, I, I, I had said we were trying to talk about what we we're going to talk about. And they said, you know, I think it's really important to talk about the last part of this book, which is really the last 30 pages about the pandemic and how we got here. Mm -hmm. um, because we, I probably would have never met you guys. And now like you guys are my people. Like I got a yeah. problem. I go to you guys. Like, yeah. what do I do? How do I fix this? How does this work? And I don't, that's kind of the beauty of army. Um, just like someone contacted us the other day and was like, Oh, I have tickets to KCON. 
do you think anyone that listens to your podcast wants to go? Never doesn't know these people at all. Like I'm willing to meet up with a new, fr- I'm willing to make new friends. Let's go to KCON. I don't know any other fandom that that happens. Honestly, I just, I don't know that of any other place that does that. Yeah. It's just proof. They make life better. <laughs> they have improved life in the world. Yeah. Well, we're ready for our wind down. And so it's just a kind of a little grab bag. Uh, if you want to share, maybe you don't have to do all of these, but just maybe something, no matter how small or large that surprised you that you learned that was new in the second half of the book and maybe one or two takeaways that you might want to share with others, starting with Allison. Um, I loved when Yungi talked about becoming a therapist because <laughs> I was like, yes, that is why you're my bias because we would, we would make a great therapeutic team, <laughs> but I think that that, and then he talks about how understanding um emotions let me see I think I have it I think I have the quote bookmarked but he said I studied psychology um because it's helpful for my music there's a lot to be gained from learning about the formal definitions of emotions and bless his heart emotions are felt through the body just as much as they are like formally defined um but I just loved that that was where his brain was that he wants to become a licensed therapist and then he was like but that takes a lot of time so that's gonna have to wait until a little bit later so that was my big uh like yes how do we make this happen I would love to see a world where Yoongi gets to be a therapist for people um individually so and just I think that I left the book more in appreciation and awe of BTS as as a whole um than I even like I mean obviously I was there before I started reading it but just made me that much more so I think for me uh I love that part too. <laughs> the whole thing about him becoming a therapist. He would be amazing. Uh, yeah. But I think one of the things that surprised me, and it's not necessarily a big thing, but it just surprised me, was whenever I think about them working in the United States and taking those trips to the United States and having to to, to be interviewed by Western journalists and perform on the shows, one of the, my first reactions is always I kind of feel like kind of ashamed and embarrassed because the first thing I think about is how they were sometimes badly treated and subjected to racism and so I don't often associate it like I don't think about how it could have been a positive or thing for them other than just making headway in the music industry uh, or achieving more chart success or, or growing their fan base. I haven't, I hadn't really thought about it. And I think, I think about it more in business terms. So one thing I really, that made me feel better, I guess, to some degree, and that I enjoyed learning about was how their creative inspiration that they sometimes found in coming to the United States. And I'm speaking as, you know, a, a person who is in the United States and, and grew up here um, and also a person with white privilege. So I guess it, it gave me some um, solace to know that they also found so much creative inspiration here, not just, I mean, not just in the collaborations that have come out of the people that they've met, but just that they got a lot of good energy from it, a lot of good creative energy uh, and uh, that it inspired them. So I was happy to learn that. Um, 
And the only the big takeaway, I guess, so that was my surprise. And my takeaway was just something that we've talked about be- before, which is the sincerity, just how blown away I have been by them in general. And then again, through this book, reinforcing it, um, no one will ever be able to convince me that they're not sincere, even if they make a mistake or have a bad day or have a grumpy moment or whatever, or lose their patience with someone. That's fine because they're human beings, but you'll never be able to convince me that they're not 100% sincere in their care for their fans, um, in their dedication and professionalism with their music and wanting to make a difference. And that's my only big takeaway. Megan, how about you? They talk about ARMY a lot in this book, um, which is kind of fun and how they feel about ARMY and how, you know, that ARMY helped get them where they are today. And that, that feels good. But, you know, at the same time, like I kind of knew that. um, And I agree with you about the sincerity. This book is very sincere um, and the way that it's told and the quotes that we got. Um, For me, there were a couple of things that stuck out for me. The biggest one is that there is a map of the soul seven and there's a map of the soul persona but there was a there was supposed to be a map of the soul ego so where are those tracks that's what i want to know okay and there was supposed to be map of the soul soul it was supposed to be a trilogy persona soul as in s-o-u-l and ego ego yes that's what i meant we got persona instead but you can't tell me that there's not tracks for that like you just i don't i don't believe you so that's fine. Whatever. Um, the other thing that stuck out for me just because I was like, it was fun to read the parts that I was there for. Like Allison was saying, we're old, like us as army are only in like the last 30 pages of this 400, almost 500 page book, which is kind of funny. But um, when they talked about ticketing for permission to dance Los Angeles and how like tickets sold out like immediately, like so quickly. And it just I in my head listening to that, I was like, we were so naive. Because we just jumped in the chat and we're like, we're getting tickets. We we just knew, like we just assumed we were getting tickets. And the fact that we got tickets really gives to that magic of BTS, right? Because like, what are the chances that we on our first try got these tickets? So to me, that was really funny. The other thing was there's this whole really, I mean, it's only a few pages, but they talk about Chris Martin from Coldplay and the um My Universe song. And what really stuck out to me was Chris Martin. Because I'm a Coldplay fan, but they talk about how Chris Martin was like, oh, I don't do virtual collaborations. So if you guys can't come to me, I'm going to come to you. And at that time, there was a two week quarantine in Korea. So Chris Martin said, OK, fine, I'll I'll fly. I'll go. I'll wait out the two weeks and then I'll meet you guys in the studio. And to me, that just spoke volumes about the type of artist that Chris Martin is, but also the type of artist that Coldplay are. And BTS were so appreciative of that. And that really came through in the storytelling. So like, I just, to me, that really blew me away. I mean, I knew they had like a bond, but I don't know. I don't, again, I think I love when they collab. I love when those collaborations work out, but I love that this was a really pure collaboration. He really wanted to do this song with them. They really wanted to do this song with Coldplay. And here we are. You know, so that to me really stuck out. And then, like you were saying, Tanya, like everything in this is so sincere. There's so many quotes in here. I mean, we could spend a whole day going, just combing through everybody's quotes. Um, And I really like that. I really like the insight we get and how they 
Um, you, you can even read their personalities in the book, like as they're like, oh, this is J-Hope says or Jimin says. And you're like, yeah, I can. He would say that like that sounds exactly like something he would say. But what I really liked is at the bit at the um, as this book is closing, um, they talk about how J-Hope framed the Time magazine cover that they were all on. He like blew it up and had it framed. But before he had it framed, he had all the members sign it and it's in his living room. And that is not on brand J-Hope. Like I just. I really don't know what is. I just love that. I came to that part and I was like, you know what? Tab. <laughs> Tab forever right here. It is so good. You know what yeah. I just realized? The book starts with him trying to find the dorm and uh-huh. ends with him ends hanging with that him. poster on the wall. Holy and moly. Let's talk about it. Like, why wouldn't it? Okay. They're, listen, they're all great. Um, but I just, there's, so, I, there's something about J-Hope that I didn't realize before I read this book. He is so wise. Mm-hmm. Um, like Sugar's wise, Jin's wise, everybody's wise. Like we talk about RM as a poet and all this stuff. But when you read J-Hope in this book, he mm-hmm. has this almost otherworldly confidence about things. He has like this, like almost like on a spiritual level. Like, let me tell you how this is. I just imagine him sitting like, you know, in like, like on the mountain right? Legs crossed, sitting on the mountain, like, come to me for my wisdom. (laughs) Like, I'm going to tell you why this is going to work out. So it's not surprising that it like the book starts and ends in this way. Um, And I, I don't know, it's, I just kind of love that. You know, I just, I don't know, it's, I appreciate this book so much, because it taught me a lot about one of my favorite groups in the world. Um, And I think that it's kind of a one of a kind thing. I don't know that I've ever got this deep dive before from an artist. You know, I, I've read other autobiographies, I've read other biographies of artists, even actors and actresses. And I don't know that I've ever just gotten this like um, in their own words, I guess, in a way, almost like if they were texting me directly, which I don't mind, right? Like, let's, that's how it felt though. It felt like I was asking them a question and they were answering it. And that, I kind of love that. I love yeah, it too. You know, oh, go ahead, Allison. Sorry. Uh, just to bring it back to J Hope, there's that quote in the book that Bang PD tells J Hope. He says to him, To others, you are hope itself, and without you, there would be no BTS. And that's just in the middle of the book. And then you think about how J Hope is like framed throughout the book and how he gets to be the book, like the start and the finish. I can't think of a better way to end our conversation. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Scream Jack in the Box. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> At a record store near you. <laughs> At a record store near you. But online from all these perfect. different places. I mean, it, I look, I'm an RM bias. Okay. I love RM. Would mm-hmm. never drag RM in any way. Mm-mm. But the more you get to know RM, the more you get to know. I don't believe he's always the most confident soldier. I don't believe that he's always the most confident in the amount of weight that's put on him. And I think that the sick, like he will talk about, you know, they'll always be like, Oh, RM, like you're the best leader. You're the best this. And what does he always say? I wouldn't be able to do it without you. And I really believe that because I don't know that he would be able to do what he does without the wisdom of members like J-Hope and Suga and Jin and V and Jimin and JK, because they all help him be that front man, right? They all help him be that leader. Um, And, you know, this book kind of like, 
really open that up, there's no way this works without one of them. Mm -hmm. And like Bong PD was right. Like this does not work without J-Hope. Like Mm -hmm. it it just doesn't. So I don't, I, oh, J-Hope, what are we going to do with you? Where are you? Where are you? So you can salute the camera again. Like, right. let's go. Yeah, on that happy note. For for Can't get enough of BTS? Cool. Neither can we. So between shows, why don't you hop on over to at Afternoon Army on Instagram and join the conversation? Want to support us as a newer podcast hitting the scene? Share the love by leaving us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. And last, but certainly not least, don't forget to check out the other pod in our network, Afternoon of Delight K-Drama. Deep dives from three romance authors with new episodes every Wednesday.